morning, everyone, and welcome. My name is Swami Pranava, and this is Swami Parvati. And we'd like to extend a special welcome to all our guests here at the Expanding Light and our meditation retreat, and all those watching online on the Internet. Today's topic, taken from Rays of the One Light, which is written by Swami Kriyananda with commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, is How Devotees Rise. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Last week, we asked the question, why do devotees fall? And we considered the downfall of Judas in this context. Jesus, in answer to Judas' criticism for allowing Mary to rub his feet with spikenard, a very costly ointment, said, The poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus is saying here that there is one supreme injustice that needs eradication. Poverty, yes, but not of a material kind. Poverty in a spiritual sense. Divine blessings are not common in this world. They are extraordinary. When they come, we should give them priority above every other consideration. Never allow a moment of inner joy, for instance, to be set aside for lesser duties. Divine attunement is our highest priority. As Lahiri Mahoshai, the guru of Yogananda's guru, said, to listen to the heart's inner sound, Om, which issues from the very center of our being, is man's highest duty. Mary, on this occasion, was not communing in inner silence with Christ's spirit as she had been when Martha urged her that she be reproached by Jesus for not helping out in the kitchen. <clears throat> Mary, this time, was serving outwardly, but in a very different spirit from the restless fussing for which Jesus had reprimanded her sister Martha. Those who see a radical difference between the paths of action and meditation should understand this distinction. To serve in the right spirit is necessary, for only thereby can we overcome our karmic tendencies toward restless activity. The important thing is that that spirit be always inwardly focused, that in everything we do, we act in loving service to the Lord. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, the state of freedom from action, that is, the, of eternal rest in spirit, cannot be achieved without action. No one, by mere renunciation and outward non-involvement, can attain perfection. Whenever the Spirit of God descends upon you, however, remember the words of Jesus, me ye have not always with you. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. from eternity. <clears throat> this is Yogananda's wonderful book of answered prayers and prayer demands. <clears throat> I baptize myself in the waters of my, of my tears of love. 
through long winding pathways of self-doubt, fording mighty rivers that separated thee from me, trudging over endless wastes of barren lives, tossing dangerously on the rapids of many ambitions, arduously climbing steep mountain trails of desire, and carefully extricating myself from whirlpools of alternating sadness and hilarity. At last, I have reached my journey's end. I look upon all these past travails with joy. Every struggle, every past agony has produced a flowing spring of joyous, grateful tears. In the sacred waters of those tears, I baptize my, my daily myself daily with deep love for thee. So the topic this morning is an important one, and it actually kind of divides itself into two parts, and Swami Kriyananda actually gives it two kind of separate titles in various readings that he wrote many years ago. Um, The first one is how devotees rise, but also how devotees can rise after they fall. And, and, you know, I mean, naturally, how devotees rise implies that, but there's also kind of a particular emphasis in that way. And I took it this way because I wanted to relate a very what I found beautiful and inspiring story about one of our members. And uh, this is Naya Swami Brinde, who passed away last year, um, a little over a year ago. I knew Brinde in the late 1970s. She came here with her husband and two small children, and they lived here for a period of time. And even then I thought, gosh, I'm not quite sure this is going to work for them. But uh, then they ended up moving down to Stockton. We had a, an Ananda Center down there for a few years. And uh, <clears throat> they were living down there. And that was kind of the last time, about 1981, where I really remember Brinde from, from that time period. <clears throat> and then many years passed. We're talking like 30 years and uh, uh, during that time, Brinde had a big karmic bomb and probably several of them uh, come into her life and she lost her family, she lost her husband, and I don't mean they died, she had to go away from them and was dealing with uh, deep addiction during those years. I, I didn't know her during that time, maybe others of you did, but I just didn't even hear anything about her until around 2010 or 11 when Vijay Gerard, one of our ministers, was living around the Las Vegas area and Brinde connected with him. I think he must have put out an ad for classes or something about Ananda, but she connected with him. And Vijay, she had been through a lot, and she had come out the other side of it in a very strong and good way, but she hadn't connected 
again spiritually, which would have been very unusual for her to have done directly here. But she did connect with Vijay. And Vijay helped her tremendously spiritually. He really gave her a focus. He helped her in every way possible. Again, I don't know the details, but it really brought her up and how devotees rise, not just people dealing with addiction, but now we're talking a devotee as well. And for this path, um, she really came up again. And she ended up taking the brahmacharya vow, which is a very serious renunciate vow in Las Vegas. And uh, she and Vijay created a small ashram there. So there was some satsang and they could meditate together and that kind of thing. And Brinde helped him with the, the house and all of that. And then Vijay was going to move back to Ananda, India. And this presented a bit of a problem for Brinde because she really didn't want to be living on her own. And at that point, I'm not clear, but either Vijay and or she asked Swami Kriyananda if she might be able to move back here. Now, 30 years away is like several lifetimes. And I don't think that I know anybody else that has done that, that, you know, successfully. But Brinde came to visit a couple of times. I remember seeing her, and, and we hadn't connected in all that, those years. <clears throat> and then she, she did move here. And I thought, well, this will be very interesting. I hope it works for her, but very unusual. But when I saw her energy when she came here, and it was piecing it together financially, and she needed to work, and housing, and all of that, but it all came to to pass and uh, when I saw her and saw what she did I thought wow this is really amazing because I saw her that and again we weren't close but I just felt her energy and and saw what she did in moving here and that was she took up the life of a devotee again and she was right there selfless service meditation just giving and supporting other people after all this time away. And she only was here for a period of about four years. And, uh, but at any rate, it was very wonderful. I felt her energy. She was very focused. She was courageous. She uh, put out energy to other people. She did classes. She did a 12-step program online. With an, I mean, all of this in a very short period of time. And then she ended up moving to the meditation retreat and was serving there, and I know helping people there. Not only people who came to visit, but people on the staff and all of that. So it was very nice. And then Brinde's health wasn't great ever. And she had been through a lot physically. And then she found out she had cancer. And she really didn't have very long to live. And so she quickly got her affairs in order. She moved back down to the uh, village here from the meditation retreat. And then at a certain point, it was just a number of months before she passed, but at a certain point she um, said, I would like to have a satsang with the women in the community. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder 
what we'll do, <laughs> you know, what that would be about. And I thought, well, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. And then luckily, I did go. And she herself said, I don't know, I just felt inspired to do this. And we had it at one of the bigger homes in the community. And she said, yeah, I thought maybe 10 people would come. There were 40 women there. Uh, It was packed. And I don't know why everyone came, but, uh, but it was really most wonderful. It had a very high vibration. Brinde talked about her life. She talked about her spiritual life. And then people asked her questions. And the one question that really hit home to me was someone asked her something like, what, is, what do you feel is the most important maybe quality or thing that you've let go of uh, spiritually in this lifetime? She thought for a moment and then she was very centered and she just said two words and those two words were said so powerfully but quietly she said self-pity and the way that she said them I thought wow I mean it was so powerful it was so impersonal and I felt afterwards like those two words were like little dry leaves that really had no connection with her and her life anymore at all and that's a pretty astounding thing to be able to bring forward after the incredible karmic bombs that went on in her life and what she had to deal with so anyway I just wanted to relay that because it was like like a shooting star in a way the way that Brinde had that incredibly long period of time and then had the courage to come back here, it's no small thing. This is a path of self-realization. We're not just kind of having satsangs with each other and chanting and all that. It is hard, serious, spiritual work, deep. And uh, for her to do that, I thought, wow, good for you. It was very very amazing and uh, anyway but her life also just reminded me of some of the various qualities uh, that it's important for all of us just as devotees rising wanting to rise not only devotees disciples kriya bonds you know all of that wanting to rise spiritually Uh, one thing I saw was that Brindy was very focused She really knew what her path was, and she was completely focused on it. And as I mentioned, this is a path of self-realization. The definition that Yogananda gave of self-realization is, self-realization is the knowing in all parts of body, mind, and soul that you are now in possession of the kingdom of God, that you don't need to pray that it come to you, that God's omnipresence is your omnipresence, All you need to do is improve your knowing. And that's the work. (laughs) That's the work. But Brinde was very clear about that. I I didn't ever talk with her about that, but I felt her consciousness and her energy very focused when she came back here. She also, 
I don't think she ever let go of Yogananda and Swami Kriyananda. I think her love for them was always there. If that had broken, I don't think she could have come back here. But, and that's one of the things, when I think about how devotees rise, love is at the top of the list. And it really, and it's a, a spiritual love that we're talking about here, a divine love. I was reading um, in answer to a question that someone wrote me. Uh, I was reading the Bhagavad Gita, the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, and one of the commentaries struck me about devotion. It just clarifies what we're really talking about there. And this is, excuse me a moment. This is from uh, the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, the commentary on the sloka 439. But this is just the commentary. The word for devotion in this sloka is shraddha, which usually translates as faith. The reference is to that kind of devotion, the reference in the sloka is to that kind of devotion which doesn't hold God at a distance by appealing to him for divine favors, but which, like an arrow, flies straight to the bullseye of divine love as the heart's natural inclination toward its own intuitively perceived source. So in other words, we're talking about a love and a devotion that needs to be very deep. And it's so deep, and it's how you go to oneness, because you know it's your own. You're part of that. And so I felt like Brinde, on a certain level, understood that. And she never, even in the depths of addiction, did not let go of that. And it's an important one for all of us to remember. No matter what happens, this world is full of surprises for us because we've created a lot of karma over millions of lifetimes. And so those bombs, karmically, can just come into our lives. And so how do we keep going? How do we keep rising even when stuff like that happens? Well, I would suggest this. Look at it cosmically. No matter what happens, even if you're about to die, it's only one out of millions of lifetimes. So not a big deal, you know, we can deal with that. It's okay. You might lose your body, but hey, that's all right. And, and also, you know, I, someone said to me recently, uh, look at, at times, you know, when you feel like, oh, I'm really having a hard time spiritually. I can't really meditate. It's dry. It's a rough patch. Just use that term rather than I can't do this and I can't do that and dig yourself into a deep hole. Just And again, in perspective of how long we've been going at this, it's nothing, really pretty much is nothing. Because once you come to the place where you really long for God, and that's another aspect of that devotion, there has to be love for God and longing for God. And that, that can really 
get you through a lot. And then also naturally um, the courage to continue. What will other people think? You know, Swami Kriyananda always liked to tell that story that Yogananda related about one of the women disciples who early on with women disciples of Yogananda in the 1920s, uh, she left. She got married, she had a child, and and left the monastery. You know, we're talking monastics. And And then at a certain point, she was able to come back, and she came back. And one of the people there said, how can you dare to show your face here after what you've done? And she said, what do you want me to do? Worship my mistakes? I'm back, you know? And I felt that with, uh, with Brinde. Not that anyone here said anything like that. I think we were all cheering her on. But I'm back, you know? And, and when the energy is there like that, to recognize it in yourself and in other people, that that's very, very important. So the courage to just stand up again and move forward. Be impersonal about yourself. Don't make it so personal. I did this, I did that. You remember what the I is. It's ego. (laughs) The ego just jumps in there and really wants us to identify with all this stuff. Just say, it happened. Swami Kriyananda would often say that to us. It happened. And I also liked where he, he said about himself, because people, you know, when you're a leader, you get good and bad uh, karma, people you know, criticizing and liking what you're doing, all that. He said, Swami Kriyananda is an event for whom I am responsible. <laughs> and think about yourself like that. Parvati Hansen is an event for whom I am responsible. <laughs> because it impersonalizes things. And it really puts you in the frame of mind and of consciousness that will help you to grow spiritually because it's without ego. So we're looking at ourselves from the outside. Okay, I have this body this time around. I happen to be a man or woman. I have this kind of personality, whatever it is. But, but really that we're looking at the larger picture. This is something I've taken up in this lifetime in order to uh, work out my karma. It isn't all of who I am by any means. In fact, it's interesting to think, and it's said, that one lifetime that we live is like the tip of an iceberg. The whole rest of it is under, not seen in that lifetime. Tip of an iceberg because we come in a particular lifetime to work out particular karma. So you aren't, even you in your conscious mind, aren't seeing the whole picture, you know. It's only a little tip of who you are. And, uh, and just to really uh, also understand that the more that we can set in place our spiritual life when things are going well, make hay while it's happening, you know, um, that will also see us through a lot. Regular meditation, selfless service, with the right attitude, all of that. It just helps us to keep moving forward even when things get really crazy. And they can, of course they can. This world is full of strange things that happen. But, uh, but for us, that we remain centered and the, the affirmation and the prayer around calmness 
that I remain calm no matter what happens, that I remain in my center. And then also, too, um, about right action, I was uh, interested and uh, just wanting to say that right action, you know, it says uh, in the Gita, you have to be intensely active for God before you can reach the, in- the actionless state. But it's intensely active for God. And so those words, for God, in God, with the consciousness of God, so it's not about just being intensely active. It's about acting in the consciousness of God. And that's what right action is about. It's about us having that deepening understanding that that divine, even what we do, it isn't all that important. It really is, what's important about it is that it allows us to be a channel for that divine out into the world. And so, also, to end, just to say that um, uh, the part about me you have not always with you, that's, that's a very important part. The poor you have always, but me you have not always with, with you. And just to remember that the priorities that we set in place need to come from the highest, and that is finding God, becoming one with God. That, that goal of self-realization for anyone on this path, that is the goal. And never let go of that. I think, again, referring back to Brinde and all the things she had to go through, I think that was there. She knew Swami. She was around him. She heard him speak a lot over a number of years, in the early years. And uh, I think that registers in the consciousness that that is the key goal. And with that goal, everything else falls into place. It's not saying we shouldn't serve poor people. It's saying that if we, whatever kind of service we do, whatever is our dharma in this lifetime, needs to be done from that highest consciousness. And that we're always aspiring. What are we aspiring toward? How devotees rise? Toward what? Self-realization. Toward oneness with that divine. And that we always keep that in mind as we act, as we grow, as we serve, as we meditate. And even in meditation, that we realize there's two parts to it. So meditation and selfless service, we're always balancing those spiritually in our lives. What, what, at this point in my life, what, what should I be doing? And then, in meditation, we also need to keep balancing doing the techniques and inner communion. So don't ever let go of that, the, the active awareness, the, the balancing, the creativity in your own spiritual life. Always be aware of what's happening because that will keep you moving forward and rising as a devotee. And in that way, we come to that place where that chant of Teresa of Avila, it's, it's something that was found in her prayer book. And in Spanish, Nada te turbe, nada te espante, todo se pasa, Dios no se muda. La paciencia todo lo alcanza.
¿Quién a Dios tiene? Nada le falta. Solo Dios basta. Only God is enough. So let nothing disturb you, nothing affright you. All things are passing. We live in duality. It's all passing. But God doesn't change. Patient endurance brings us to victory. Once we have God, we'll want nothing more. Only God is enough.